Huh? What's that smell? Omri was hotboxed into being dainty Omri? <laughs> Omri was hotboxed into being dainty Omri! Do you think that works? <laughs> huh? What's the smell? What's the smell? Should it What's be what? What's that smell? What's that smell? Yeah. Huh? What's that smell? Omri was hotboxed into being dainty Omri. Omri was hotboxed into being dainty Omri. Omri was hotboxed into being dainty Omri. Hello everyone. It is I, Runaway Romier, as the leader of a discipline battler. Today, I will be taking over as the new host of this podcast. Can you do that, but gayer? Um, how do I make it gayer? <gasps> Hello, everyone! Oh, <laughs> <clears throat> Hello, everyone! It is I, Renove Romier, as the leader of the Discipline Battler. Today, I will be taking over as the new host of this podcast. Hello everyone, it is I, Runaway Romier. As the leader of the Discipline Battler, today I will be taking over as the new host of this podcast. You're the leader of a battler? You're kind of noisy. <laughs> Alright, everyone. Uh, welcome to Weaves, Waifus, and Wonder. I'm, ne I'm Garg, and, uh, and this I'm is Cyborg. Cyborg. Booyah! Booyah! Uh, today we'll be talking about season two of Welcome to Demon School Arumakun. There will be spoilers for season two at the end, and we might touch upon a few season one spoilers, but nothing major. Um, and then probably in the second half of the episode, we'll uh, end up talking about some other stuff just because uh, might not have as much to talk about as we did last week. And don't worry, we won't do a third episode. In a row of Arumakun, I promise. Because it's not out until November, so we can't. <laughs> um. So yes, we we were trying to think of a way to pitch the show, just as a. Hold on, let me let me rephrase that. We were trying to think of a way to pitch this show in a way that would give people who hadn't seen it a uh, reason to watch it, I suppose. And the, the, the really the thing that I came up with was after watching so many anime that have come out recently, because at, at, um, I, I stopped doing it for a while, but I've started again. Every time a new season comes out, I'll watch a couple random episodes of everything that's coming out that strikes my interest or sounds interesting at all right and so i end up trying a lot and right now everything feels the same i don't know how much new like as it's coming out anime you've watched mm -hmm. while it's being broadcast or anything that's like come out in like the past like five years right but there's like there's a lot of isekai now. There's a lot of you know getting stuck in another world, and there's a lot of putting game mechanics in the your setting and everything, right? And pretty much what they're doing is writing like Dragon Quest fan fiction. 
Hell yeah. But my pitch... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's what it feels like, though. It's like it everyone's does, yeah. influenced by these JRPGs and they are writing isekai. And it's like not all of the isekai that like I'm describing in this way are all bad. But they all look the same. And I don't right. just mean like physically the animation and art looks the same, even though there has been like kind of a trend towards... I, I guess every era has like certain designs that are popular. Or, like, design elements. But, uh, okay, so back to Welcome to Demon School Orumakun and why you should watch it. It felt unique. It has a lot of the energy that I would say something like Oran High School Host Club has as far as, like, comedy and, you know, Renove is a great example. <laughs> Renove Romier, which is what uh, Cyborg here did an impression of at the beginning of the episode, is a great example of, like, a character that kind of reminds me of that uh, that feeling Oran High School Host Club had. But I, I guess right. more what I mean by that is that it has an earlier 2000s feel to it in, like, a good nostalgic way to me for anime. Yes, absolutely. It does have that nostalgic feel. It reminds me of all my favorite things about anime from that era when I was first starting to watch anime. It's very feel-good. Yes, yes, I was going to say, it, it's uh, all the characters are extremely positive, and it, it feels good to watch compared to... I don't know, some of the other things that I've seen recently more make me feel depressed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And there's room for everything in art, but if you're looking for something that's feel-good, maybe try out a Rumikun. So, I think real quick, to give my rendition of like a, a concise elevator pitch that I just Ready thought of when you were starting yours. Okay. So, it is a show about a high schooler Sorry. So it's a show about a high school, and all of the students have magical powers. But it is taken to perhaps a deeper level than other shows you may have seen of this genre, um, with excellent group interactions, as well as one-on-one relationship. Oh, that. Um, sorry. But it's taken a bit further. It's taking the concept a bit further with things like excellent relationship dynamics, both one-on-one and group settings. It's a very feel-good show. There's plenty to love about all of the characters. Okay, that's my concise pitch. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, <sighs> welcome to Demon School Arumakun. I don't know where to begin with season two. I'm just, I'm so, I'm happy you liked it. Uh, I'm happy that I get to talk about it more, especially since it's, uh, it doesn't seem as popular or it's just gaining its popularity. There's not a lot of uh, established fan base yet. Yeah, I'm very surprised by that. Um, I feel like, I feel like it's just up my alley. I really, really like it. And I'm super excited for my wife to watch it too. Um, and I know she'll, she'll love it. Um, so yeah, in a way I'm, I'm very sad that it's not more popular and I don't know, just the, everyone who's worked on this should have so much more praise. Um, I'm like, obviously the mangaka and then the animation staff and, uh, the voice acting, both the Japanese and English voice actors. And oh my goodness, 
Billy Kamitz. That's how you say his name. He plays Asmodeus. Is is that his name? I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce his name. But look, if we're wrong, that's okay. Okay. I'm just high and I got paranoid. Whew. Okay, yes. But he plays Asmodeus, and he does such a good job as Asmodeus. Um, the inflections in his voice are wonderful. I, I love it. It's it's like a fucking delight to hear, and he has like such a range of emotion, and it's all very, it's all very forward. Um, I don't have a better word to explain it than that, but that's just what it feels like. It's forward. Hmm. I, I was trying to think of a way to uh, reiterate that, but you know what? I don't have a better word. It is forward. <laughs> feels yeah. Feels like it's pushing forward. All all the voice acting is really great. I do I really appreciate that the the English dub is treated with so much care. Yes, yes, yes. Uh it doesn't feel there's a lot of cut and paste English dubs, I think. And I don't wanna like disparage the English voice actors, but you'll get like these dubs that are just pumped out and it's like, oh, the voice actors the the one voice they do, right? Right. That's the character. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think part of it is just there's a more narrow field of English voice actors. Uh, yeah. But when, when they really when they really have good material to work with, I guess, or good direction or something, something comes together in Arumakun that their performance is good. <laughs> Great. You saying that just reminded me just to gas up Billy some more. Um, wait, can you repeat to me what you just said? <laughs> uh, it's gonna come back to me. Hold on, wait. I was talking about how there was a more narrow field of English voice actors, and sometimes they can feel kind of, uh, samey oh, for their, yeah, all their, their performances. Right, or sound like the same exact character. Yeah, I didn't even realize, even though I enjoy both performances of English voices for Asmodeus and Irumakun and Gallo and Promar. Um, but I didn't realize until we were talking about it on the podcast last week that they were the same voice actor. And then it clicked. And I thought of like when they raise their voice and like yell a little bit and I could like see a little bit of similarity. You know what I mean? But other than that, it's like it's such a different performance, you know, because they're two so different characters. And that's what acting is for me, Yeah, is being able to portray a character and not just um, adopt a character into, like, your... To read their lines, but I guess, uh, you know how there's people who are typecast and have, like, a, a character of themselves right yeah if that makes sense it's like a it's a a fictionalized character or like the tropes of a character that work well for a certain archetype and this happens in all acting and voice acting it's not just limited to english voice acting i think right and there's great voice actresses and voice actors um that are typecast a lot right uh, Ri Kugamiya, I believe is how you say her name. Yes. Okay. Uh, or at least that's how it's spelled. Ri Kugamiya, who is the voice of 
Al and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and I think the original too, for the Japanese I think so. voices. Yeah. Um, let me just control F Brotherhood real quick. Okay, cool. Yes, but she's also every single little girl that's a tsundere and has anger issues. <laughs> Uh, there there used to be a running joke, actually, where, uh, so there's Shakugan no Shana, the familiar of Zero, and then uh, Hayate, the combat butler that came out all around the same time. Fuck, I really want to do an episode on Shakugan no Shana. Do it next week. We could. It's a good one, and it's an old one. Yeah. Could go classic. But those uh, uh, those are very the three characters she plays in those are all very uh, s- similar, right? And I do respect each of the three series as being three different characters. And in fact, I really like the familiar of Zero and Shakugan no Shana. Uh, no shade to Hayate, the combat butler. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and she's Taiga and Toradora. So there, another lolly with attitude problems. <laughs> Give me five lollies with attitude problems. <laughs> but uh, so you you can kind of see that she is typecast, but then she is able to play Alphonse, who is a different type of character, right? Yeah. Which I think is uh, that the, the most beautiful thing for me is to see an actor who's able to basically create something from almost nothing, right? It, it's actually portraying a character who like doesn't have a voice like when you take something from like a manga or literature adaptation and take it onto a screen then you have to take all these all this information and part of this is the voice actor of course part of that is the job of like the writing team and the director or something i don't know but whatever other support staff that are helping give direction to the actors right yeah, but when when all of those things work out together, you get uh, something unique. Absolutely, and th- that's what that's the thing I like to see the most from acting, right? Is the uh, something uh, new, but something that was created purposely to tell you this story, right? Yeah, and I, I think when you, I, I don't think there's an issue with cliches or tropes or like character archetypes. But it, I think it's very easy to get distracted by that and miss out on like a bigger picture. Does that make sense? Definitely. Um, that's a great way to put it. Um, I also just thought of like, I, sometimes when I see people doing something like paper mache or some other kind of maybe like modeling with clay or something, they have a, a general base, and it's kind of like a skeleton, but it's it's sort of more just like supposed to outline the general shape. But then what you put on it, it could be a crocodile, or it could be a dragon, or it could be a baby carriage or a hammock. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's kind of, you know, if you think about it, Asmodeus is the archetype of the best friend. Think about, hey, talk about JRPG inspiration. Think about Yusuke, or sorry, Yosuke in Persona 4, um, you know, or any of the best character, for, uh, the best friend characters in the Persona series, right? So he, he kind of fits that, like, best friend um, trope or, or 
archetype, but yet he is so different from any of those, and he's such his own thing. Um, so yeah, so the, I guess that's what I thought of was like when you're, I guess when you're like making paper mache or some other kind, of, and you just have that base, and it and it kind of generally resembles the sh like shape, but you don't know what it's going to be until you actually add the the good stuff on top, you know. All the details for the right. skeleton. Right. I agree with that. I, I definitely think uh, I'd like to pay more attention to the voice cast that we uh, – let me hold on. In the future, I would like to pay more attention to the voice cast of the anime and movies we watch just so that we would have kind of a, a connection to other things we've seen that they've worked on. Yeah. Because I, I think it's worth appreciating the writers and the, all the staff that go into making something. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, since it's a multi-person effort, it, I think it's a cool way to stretch out or re branch out. That's the right term. Branch out into other things. Because you could say, oh, yeah, re Kugamiya. She was, a, she was Alphonse in Full Metal Alchemist and uh, – Next week, we're going to watch uh, Shakugan no Shana, and she's Shana and Shakugan no Shana. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, so do you want to talk about Dainty Armory? Yes, let's get to waifus. Hell yeah. This is this is okay. So la last week I uh, I talked shit about all the waifu characters, and it's because I don't think season one has like a really strong. If it has a strong waifu character, it's Clara. Yeah, and he, even so, it's just a light touch. Yeah, because you got like that one episode, and then it's it's more uh, jovial friendship for the rest of the season. Mostly, there's there's some exceptions, obviously. Now, Dainty Amory, <laughs> that's a different story. Amory <laughs> like comes into a full protagonist. I think is the term the the protagonist, but there's two of them. Deuteragonist, I think. I have no idea. Okay, but rather, she comes into season two as more of a secondary main character to Aruma than I feel like in season one where Aruma is the sole main character. Yeah. And maybe that's just like a development of her as like the primary like female lead romantic interest. But you get the, the student council stuff where – she has to run against Ronove, and she's not in her right mind as Dainty Amory, right? Right. And you, I think that was a really good establishment of like her view of Aruma. And then later in the season, with the Walter Park arc, that kind of wraps up the end of season two. Yeah. Uh, her going Super Saiyan with her bloodline magic was really cool, and I like how it it goes back to being about her ambition, right? And, like, her belief in herself. Yeah. Dude, her bloodline power is so fucking sick. It is the most anime thing ever, and I love it. <laughs> I, I, I'm really looking forward to the idea of Amory being trained by opera. Yeah. That would be fucking awesome. And then becoming Aruma's security devil. <laughs> so... Oh, damn. Well, I'll save it for the spoilers. Okay. So, um, yes, I think, but to 
kind of pinpoint why I think Dainty Omri makes her more waifu. And it's not just, oh, she's ladylike. I'll tell you why. Right now. The design with her ears down is better than the design with her ears up, in my opinion. Woo! (laughs) I have mixed feelings about that. But they look like, like dog ears or cat ears or something when they're down like that. I guess more like dog ears since they're down. Yeah, they look and more she like definitely, cat ears when they're up. Yeah, so she definitely definitely has more of like a fox or cat look when they're up. Yeah, but they're more reminiscent of horns than, for example, Afras that are cat ears that move. Right. Yeah. I also like the. Uh, the elf ears that go out instead of up. The like, because when she's dainty, yeah, Omri, yeah. her her ears drop down, and it becomes more of the horizontal like night elf style ears. Yeah, for sure. So that's just a uh, design preference on my part. I also don't really like Omri's uh, normal uniform, and I know I gushed about all the uniform designs last week. <laughs> uh, I just I'm a so I get it's a female who designed the character in the first place. Right. Her outfit just seems too too sexy for me. I don't know. I think I know what and you mean. It's almost like that like 1960s sexy or something. Maybe I'm going too far, but I don't know. Listen, I don't know time periods, but like an older an older age of sexy. Does that make sense? It, it's a different type of sexy than like i think elizabetta is a more modern yeah uh take and i i feel like i might be unfair because i do like elizabetta's outfit and i don't like omri's but when they do the uh (laughs) the fucking thigh shots with clara (laughs) i guess my issue is omri is too tall and uses her legs too much to be wearing that short of a skirt. <laughs> you know what like I she think? she kicks things and everything. Yeah, what? I think they should adopt the hairstyle and just general, like, maybe, like, less clothes <laughs> that she had in uh, in the dating episode where they, where they went on a date. Because that yeah, hairstyle that, that is... really suited her. Yes, that that's one thing I, I'm a huge fan of just across the board is the characters with different hairstyles and different outfits and everything. Yeah. That's uh it, it's just something I always will enjoy seeing in like works of fiction for characters. Yeah, and especially in this show, it makes a like a noticeable difference. You know, it, you you almost feel like you're looking at a different character. Even though you know it's the same one. <laughs> I really like, uh, uh, speaking of, we, we could do, uh, what? A room is a waifu. Uh, just to piggyback off the Omri waifu discussion, uh, Aruma with his hair back in the student council uniform. <laughs> that, like, slick black and red uniform. Yeah. That That's that's it. That's as sharply dressed as you're going to see Aruma ever. That's true, yeah. <laughs> We just have to wait until Arumin wears the student council uniform. Oh, yes. Rock, dude. Okay, so when I went into season two, like, you know, I haven't seen season two, episode one. I'm clicking on it, right? 
I'm nervous because the season one, at the end of season one, they tease you with Sullivan going to wake up Iruma and now he's Irumin and he's edgy, right? Right. And so I was like, oh no, I don't want Iruma to be mean, you know? And so that's how I'm going into season two. Um, and so I was scared of Iramine, and I was hoping Iramine wasn't going to stay alone, stay around for long. But man, do I want some more fucking Iramine? <laughs> He's so great. He's like, you put it a good way. We were talking about it the other day, and you said everybody wants to, everybody likes someone who's earnest, or something like that. Yes, yeah, so the people... I think in general, want someone who is straightforward. Right. And there's a difference between being polite and being kind, which I think Arumin shows off pretty well. Yeah. I think a great example of that is uh, Arumin was upset and aggravated about having to deal with the trash. Uh, by the misfit uh, classroom. Yeah, yeah. But he takes care of it. And there's a couple other instances of that throughout the Arumin arc for season two where you get to see Aruma is being rude to people, right? Yeah. But, but then, in general... Like, oh, go ahead. He's being rude to people, but then when it comes to something important he's still extremely generous and nice. Right. And I think Aruma without the Arumin personality is too polite as sort of a character flaw. Right. And I like to see kind of the, I said uh, last week that I liked the development of Alice's Modius sort of acting as a protector to Aruma in that way. Yeah. And I, I think definitely in season two, the entire Misfits class uh, becomes that for Aruma. They start to sort of gather around him as a, a leadership mascot type character. Yeah. And I say that because, like, Aruma doesn't lead that often, but everyone kind of thinks, like, he's cute and, like, fun to be around and everything, and they, they like him, right? Well, he leads by action, right? Because right. think about all the things he's done, and a lot of them have impacts on, on the class themselves. Um, but, yeah, like, he's he's always at the front of the news for some crazy thing he did, or, um, you know, how he... Damn, I'm drawing a blank on examples, but, you know, he, all of his actions, even though, you know, sometimes he kind of stumbles into them, uh, they're all admirable. And so instead of like leading by telling people to do something, he's just leading by, hey, let's do this or I'm going to do this, you know. Right. And then just people end up following him. Yeah. And I think. And he's so virtuous. To kind of wrap back, yes. Yes. And to wrap kind of back to Arumin, I think Irumin is the moment where a lot of the Misfit class starts to recognize Aruma as a leader rather than a mascot. Right. 
and he kind of he plays on the the misfits class uh their their demon nature right when he's talking to them yeah and uh damn that's a spoiler section thing i'm gonna i'm gonna loop back to that in the spoiler section later hold on let me make note of that sorry i'm just pulling this back up Or are you pulling back up? Oh, cool. Edit. You're gonna add in here. Oh, shit. <laughs> gorilla Titty. <laughs> what is Gorilla Titty? Uh, it was an anime that I watched. Uh, the Fruit of Evolution. Alright. Um, we can get to that. No, I, I just... Uh, I was like... <laughs> Alright. Um, yeah. <laughs> what was I gonna say? The... Group. So I was talking about how Arumane played to the demon nature of the misfit class to motivate them to follow him. Oh, you posted your own. Fuck. Okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay, yes. Irumane is rude, but he is still virtuous. Because there's a difference between nice and good, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And and so yeah, in that way, even though you don't have to be mean to achieve this outcome, but he is. Hold on, gotta. I gotta remember, Highborg. Hmm, Highborg. We have to find out who hotboxed Highborg. Oh yeah. yeah. You know who would be great people to workshop skits with? Who? <laughs> Skylar and Pickles. Yeah. Gus, actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you, you want to get loses their fucking mind with their fucking <laughs> comedy bits. I fucking love it. Oh man, it's like white noise. It's wonderful. <laughs> It's like white noise. That's such a wonderful way to explain your friend. No, but it's like relaxing and steady and constant. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. I know what you mean. <laughs> okay, It'll but just be a little droning sing song. Cummy, yummy, yummy in my tummy. But it <laughs> Iramine is dedicated towards his goals that not only help him and affect him, but also benefit his friends. And even the rest of the school to some extent, right? And he acts in such a way because he still helps out with like all of these different things. And so does the rest of the class. They help, you know, the the bitch plant seeds or whatever in the farm and shit. You know, and other examples that I don't remember. But... Okay, so yes, the, <laughs> they have to help Susie Solis uh, plant seeds, and that is sort of different than the way they, I think a lot of the cases, they tricked the teachers or like overcame them in some way. There's a, there's a couple different ways that they approach the teachers, but yeah, I, I do feel right. like that that was a great example of uh, Aruma's like helpful nature, 
versus something like uh how they get uh the female teacher i don't know her name that likes caligo yeah i mean that that was a little dirty look was caligo gonna play fair hell no um he probably was but fuck him but yeah no i I loved it it was was great All, all those scenes were great the one where they played the fucking game um like the crazy uh homebrew chess game that clara made uh and that's i think like your first real uh focus on lead or lied the the gaming demon kid yeah the gaming demon the gaming demon the game demon i love him i love elizabetta if i if i had like a ship from the manga it's lead and elizabetta fuck yeah yeah i i love that they play the little chess game and you get to beat the uh I don't know what he's a teacher actually of. I, I just always call him the gambling teacher. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he's uh, a fun. I like the. I like they take their time with the teachers and kind of drip them out. And while I'm saying that, we have to talk about the real waifu of season one. Of season one? Or season two. Oh. We have to talk about the real waifu of season two. Edit that out, Nathaniel, and post. Wink! I'm not going to. I'm just going to mess it up and then say it. <laughs> Balam Shichiro. Or however you say his Pro- name. Professor Balam? Professor Balam. Yes. I love him. Oh my god, yeah. That's true. Dude. Doesn't he just look like he'd take care of you? <laughs> He looks like he would pick you up and cradle you in his big, strong arms. And make you a delicious supper. A, a, a yes. nice, rich chowder with a delicious homemade roll. Mm. And then he'd, he'd I, put a warm blanket over you and give you some hot chocolate and read you stories. I will say, doesn't he cut his hair pretty soon after his introduction in season two? Yeah. Okay. I I don't like that he cuts his hair, but he grows it back out in the manga, so that's a that's a plus. Hell yeah. Yeah, I do like his long hair more. I, I, I really like... I, I need more uh, male characters in media that are showing off the, the long hair. Yes! Long hair represent. Yeah, but Blob's the waifu. That, that's, that's, the, that's the pitch. He's the waifu. He, he has the best hair. He has the best eyes true he's nice and he probably cook you're right i think so he's smart he's great at magic he's a high rank what's not to like he's a chad yeah no actually he's a sigma male okay that's a real sigma (laughs) male if i've ever seen one he's on that sigma grind set just trying to research imaginary creatures yes (laughs) oh we all bobs out Blob's out here on the Sigma grind set looking for the Loch Ness monster. Looking for that, uh, that shiny Jirachi. Is Arumi shiny Aruma? Is he like a shiny human? <laughs> a shiny human, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say no at first, and then I was like, well, no, he does like all different kinds of species, so that's all different kinds of species of Pokemon. So I was like, yeah, shit, Aruma is a shiny human <laughs> <laughs> now 
This is only mildly related, but have you noticed that some of the characters are drawn like they have, like their eyelashes are eyeliner and some of them aren't? I have noticed that. It's like they're colored uh, eyelashes. The eyelashes are yes. colored. And it'll like go down the, like, the side of the eye, though, and everything. I'm, and I'm the, literally the I've... right now looking at Chibi, um, Sukima version of Asmodeus. Um, like grinning or or like wide open mouth happy and uh his eyes are are little sunsets of of pink <laughs> so my question was do you think uh the so i don't think arumin like actually physically looks different than aruma right yeah i know they're drawn slightly differently and there's like a little bit of like purple highlighting yeah there's some purple highlighting more... and then there's like a hair styling slightly yeah, his uh, his uh, antenna goes the other way, and yeah. it, it's spikier. So my my question was: Do you think that the only real difference was, I guess, how he styled his hair, and do you think he like put on like extra thick eyeliner that day? <laughs> Sorry, can you repeat what you just said? Okay, so because I don't think there, I don't think that like a. a Opera or Sullivan were able to tell that there was physically something different with Aruma, even though on screen Arumine is showed is drawn slightly different, right? Yeah. So I do think though, do you think he put his eyeliner his black eyeliner on extra thick that morning? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That that's that's how they were able to tell after he went back, you know, because like as soon as he was his normal self again. They recognize it, and they're like, oh, I have a Romokun back. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was like the lack of as much eyeliner. Because if you look at how Aruma's eyes are drawn compared to most of the other characters that have the uh, the side eyelash or whatever, uh-huh. he has round eyes without the... He just has like a, a thick line around the outside of his eye. Yeah. But when he's a rooming, he gets the the eyelash eyeliner that everyone else does. <laughs> Maybe demon eyes are just different. Maybe they actually do have just weird eyelashes. <laughs> oh, okay. So Balam is a waifu. Dani Amri is a waifu. I don't think Professor Furcus is a waifu. But do you think she and Alec are banging? Who's Aliker? Uh, lion kid, and uh, he's like the goofy cartoon lion character in the Misfit class. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I do <laughs> when they're going to get Professor Ferguson's uh, permission, and she's like, oh, this is going to be a long night. And Aliker looks at the camera and licks his wimp lips, and he weeks, and he's like, <laughs> I'm getting lucky tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Absolutely. Do you, ha- do you have a season two waifu? I, I again, once again, I'm pretty torn because we got more development for Clara and for and for Amory. Yes. And do you think that changed their their positions from what you thought in season one? 
I think Clara's gone up more. I think Clara has the edge right now. In season one, I think Amory had the edge just by like technical advantage of her being a more complex character, I guess. Uh, well, maybe not that. Um, that might be a bad way to put it. I, I don't know. Uh, I, would, I would have to think about it a little more, but I just felt like in season one, I was leaning more towards Amory for Irima. Um, but in season two, I'm feeling Clara more both on the Irima front, also on the front of being a waifu in general for I get what you mean. That is interesting, though, because I feel like in season one, I thought Clara was both like the better match for Aruma and more of the character I would identify as a waifu character. Uh huh. For characters I like, obviously, like Amory on paper is a tall, long-legged, attractive, active character in a skimpy outfit, right? Yeah. And Clara is more modest most of the time. Yeah, definitely. So I think Clara is less obvious waifu bait, but I think she has the advantage of like uh, the childhood friend edge that she's not really a childhood friend, but she <laughs> has the edge. Mean. Yeah, yeah. Dude, okay, but when they put Clara in that fucking like sundress at the at Walter Park. Bruh. Yeah. Bruh. Okay? Can you imagine? Like, wonderful sundress could be wearing. <laughs> Clara does have some ridiculous thighs, too. Hell yeah. So, I, I think Aubrey kind of picks up in season two as being, like, the more obvious match with Aroma, in my yeah. mind. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I see it going that way, but I'm I'm just I'm a I'm a hardcore Clara fan. But I, I still love Omri and I think like especially dude, her powers are so fucking sick and her ambition and dedication, her drive, all that shit, which basically you know, I was I was like restating the same thing pretty much three times, but it's No what, no, three's the rule. Three's the rule. Just do things in threes, don't care. Don't care. Head empty. Omri's awesome. And I loved their date, dude. Their date was fucking awesome. I do kind of hope that in the future she will lean into her like femdom status. Um, I think that would be uh, 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 that would be you know something that could really boost her rankings. I think that Ruma should Tom Amory. <laughs> I mean, that's good too. <laughs> I think you could just barely see the spark of that when he was arooming in the uh in his demon cycle. Yeah. And he gets to talk to Aubrey at the in the student council room. Uh-huh. You could see like a little bit of like it, it, it's it's possible there. Whereas yeah. like I, I don't know if Aubrey could actually dom Aruma with a straight face. Yeah. That uh mentioning that uh another interaction between Aruma and Arumine and uh, Clara, I think it, it is possibly the best scene for like a obvious ship bait yeah. is when Aruma says, "Hey, Clara, I'm cold. Come sit on my lap." Yeah, <laughs> I love that scene so much. <laughs> it's fucking great. Uh, because of the like, Clara accepts that she likes Aruma. Yeah. 
I think Aubrey kind of fights it. So getting to see Clara just be like happy for a moment that she got what she wanted, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Or something that she dreamed of, but like didn't think think she would ever get. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, when they were in Clara's house. Oh. Ah. And they both fell asleep on her lap. Oh. Man. What a great episode. Dude, I love her family, and I love even Ura. He's also fantastic. Um, her family is wonderful. I, I really hope the manga eventually touches upon her dad, because I'm hugely curious just hearing that, like, oh, yeah, he's an adventurer, and, you know, he's away from home a lot. Oh, damn, I don't even think they said that, but that's cool. I don't know... I don't know if it's something that's said later in the manga or if it's something that's said in the manga is just like a one-off thing. Uh-huh. But like, I, I'm so curious about, I, I'm curious about a lot of their families, but I, I guess I'm, I'm really curious what the hell is going on with Clara's family. Yeah. You know, I wonder, okay. So this is just like pure, like high brain fucking nonsense, right? This is this is some stoner thoughts, all right? Okay. What do you think about like what do you think the kids' perception of their life was before their dad had come home for the latest fuck to make like the youngest child, right? So <laughs> so they they've been with mom for a long time. Dad's been away for a bit. He's adve- he's adventurer, so he's out adventuring. So it's just been them and they settle into their own routine, you know, blah blah blah. And then dad comes back and the routine gets shaken up, you know, but everyone's super happy that dad's back, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, fuck, get her pregnant. He leaves at some point, And now they've, you know, got a new kid. So there's more mouths to feed and there's different duties. You know, you've got to like clean the baby and stuff like that. So there's a new routine that happens. And then when the kid gets a little bit older, you know, so like, I'm just thinking about like, you know, what did, what was their perception of their life at those stages? How did they feel about? Uh, so yeah, the, the, thanks. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. I I feel like just uh, this is pure speculation at this point. Uh-huh. We're going into uh, some deep waters here. I think the way Clara and her family act kind of implies that there's not like a there's not an issue surrounding her father figure, right? I don't I don't think that oh. is implied. No, yeah, sorry. Well, no, I, I guess, so... Wait, 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 hold on, real well, quick. I was, well, where I was laying groundwork to okay. say that okay. I think there's probably, like, their dad writes a lot of letters and sends a lot of gifts or something. Yeah. No, yeah, so I guess what I said, because I'm, I'm, I might have come off as, like, a bad feeling kind of thing, or, like, yeah. you know, some parts are bad, but no, I, I just generally i i don't think you know the i don't think the kids have had a moment of like sorrow or grief or anything i think it's all <laughs> it's all been bright and happy i just wonder like um as far as like routine goes in their day-to-day you know what i mean because because they do a lot of stuff together and they are like you know the shopping thing and stuff like that so like i i could well the reason i i brought it up was because like i thought about like uh when I was a kid uh, living with my dad for most of my childhood. And then like a year I lived with my mom. So obviously the routine, um, 
So yeah, that, I guess that's what I was thinking about. Not in like a depressive way, um, or like yes. any kind of abuse or like unstable household way, just, but just in like a you know their how their day to day is. I do think it would be a shakeup. I. Do you think they're that before they they meet their dad that their dad's more of like a a character to them, like a fictional character? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you get told a lot of stories about like this adventure dad, and you get you know presumably like gifts and stuff, and you have stories from your older siblings, right, about how great this person is. Do you think you get like this kind of like, and I so I could like, see Clara so doing it. Yeah, like an out of control fantasy of what their father is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I kind of like imagine. Do Do you think they like don't know how to draw their dad until they've met him once and they draw him as like all sorts of crazy shit? Yeah, they just draw him as whatever they envision him as. So like maybe one uh one of the kids draws him as like a knight, and another kid draws him as like a cowboy, bounty hunter type. Oh, damn. Damn. I hope, uh, I hope that didn't sound cringe. I was I was really just high rambling. You're cringe. You're cringe. No, I, I just mean like the introduction to that section of being like... Oh, yeah, I just... Because there's not like evidence in the text exactly, I wanted to give myself like a supporting statement before I dove into purely headcanon. Yeah. You'll see this more if we get into something. So I think this this is a good conversation topic, I think. Um, I think there's a difference between watching something as it comes out or consuming something as it comes out, whatever it may be, and marathoning it, basically, um, because you have access to all the episodes. Right. And what I mean by that is with... Season one and season two of Aruma, and then like all the way up to the point where I had to start waiting for updates is their second year uh, during the Heartbreaker Festival, which I know you don't know what that is, but it's basically just the first big event of their second year of school. Okay, yeah. And so I think there's a difference between how I approached everything leading up to that as far as how much thought I put into various elements Whereas now that I'm waiting on it, every single chapter, I'm sitting there and I don't even really like spend, I haven't really, I've reread a couple of the chapters, but I don't spend a lot of time like staring at the chapters, right? Yeah. But I'll think about something waiting for the new update, the next chapter, that is all these little details that might imply something. There's more theory crafting or hypothesizing going on. Yeah. Do you get what I mean as far as the if you consume everything all at once, there's not a break to ruminate like that? And yeah, when you absolutely. are waiting, there's stuff like, hmm, I wonder if, you know, uh, Clara has daddy issues kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, but that's the thing, right, is I totally wasn't trying to make it like a daddy issues thing. And no, it, I did. I know, but it, it just it, def <laughs> it definitely sounded like that. And I didn't mean it to because I was it was like what I mean by high thoughts is not only am I high, but it was like a completely like unfiltered thought. So it was like the first thing that like drifted past my mind without like actually getting the time for proper analysis, I guess, before I spoke. A surface level thought. 
Yeah, like a surface level. Hey, hey, bitch. What? Stop kneecapping yourself, or whatever it's called. That's true, okay. I mean, that's... (laughs) Just fucking fucking big dick it and say that Clara probably has daddy issues. Maybe so, but I still think their family's very happy, and they're not going to, like, grow up with trauma. (laughs) Seriously, I think those kids um, will, like, grow up great. They're they're gonna be fucking crushing it, right? Because they had such a good home life. I mean, have you seen their mom's knockers? Of course, they're gonna grow up great. <laughs> <laughs> they got those that, that nutrition. <laughs> the fucking nutrition. <laughs> they they got that like, high level. You know this this shit is tried and true. <laughs> That's true. They've worked out all the kinks of the milk formula. (laughs) (laughs) Little do you know that Clara's youngest sibling is going to be the most powerful. Oh my god. Oh. I love Clara. She is wonderful. She's such... I, I, I will say that, like... I feel like at some point they're probably going to lean away from her being a viable match for Aruma as like a, a, a true partner, you know, but I hope they don't. That's just my speculation, but I hope they don't because I love. Clark. So my gut, my gut feeling for like shonen anime tropes and cliches uh-huh. is that Clara will remain the, uh, the Sakura. To Aruma's Naruto. Whoa! Don't say that to me. Whoa, that's, <laughs> that's fucked up. That is that is incredibly <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> is it because they don't end up together? Not just that. It's because Sakura was like written to be unlikable. And I'm okay. That's her. I haven't seen a lot of Naruto. Yeah, because like they had, I think, non before Shippuden. Oh god, I'm going off onto a Naruto tangent. Go do it. <laughs> okay. Um before Shippuden, when it, you know, just OG Naruto. Um Sakura, <laughs> Sakura had sorry. some foundation a little bit to to possibly grow into a good character. <laughs> However, in Shippuden, they threw all that shit out the fucking window. Um nah. Oh, fam. Sorry. If you if you're a soccer lover, I'm sorry for your loss of brain cells. Those last two are really, really <laughs> struggling right now. There's they're around a campfire, boiling a boot like Ed and and um, what's the prince's name and brotherhood? Ah, the Chinese prince yeah. Lin, I think. Is his name Lin? Yeah, something like that. Lin Yao or something. Ling! Ling? I think. Is it Ling? Who is greed? Ling Yao. There we go. Ling Yao. Dude, it's like, it's like Ed and Ling Yao on there, right? They're, they're fucking boiling a boot in some, some bloody <laughs> water. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's rough in there because Sakura's fucking trash. Sorry. And, and I, I hate that she is because, like, I didn't want her to be the main love interest of Naruto, but I still think she could have been a good character, right? But they're just like, nah, we're gonna make her super fucking unlikable and super fucking cringe, um, just the entire way through. And uh, yeah, the fact that fucking Sasuke and Sakura get together makes absolutely no fucking sense. Unless, unless, 
backs the fan theory of just like Sasuke <laughs> just does not fucking give a shit about her. Let me rescind the statement since I've seen more Boruto than I have Naruto. Yeah. <laughs> Clara might be the um take your pick for code Geass, the CC or the Damn, I forget her name. What I'm such a fucking awful fan. Such a bad fan. It's okay, I don't like her that much anyway. Ha ha ha. Oh, uh Colin. Colin, yeah. I knew as soon as he's yeah. like, I don't like her that much anyway. I was like, oh, <laughs> You know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> the female character that'll stand up for herself. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Amory really is, um, um, fuck, what's her name? Colin? No, Amory is, is... Cece? No, the actual love or interest. C2? The actual love interest for Lelouch. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Who's the actual love interest for Lelouch? No, that's not a joke. I... Rolla? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Only? <laughs> My wife's calling me, hold on. <laughs> all right we're back with more big dick energy and we're back okay so do you mean shirley yeah shirley okay what you don't think that's the lucia's main love interest do I think Shirley is the only character that Lelouch legitimately felt love for? Sure. Yeah, like romantic love. Is she the love interest of Code Geass? I don't think so. I think it's Colin. And I feel weird having to make that distinction, but it's there, I think. No, I totally or, get what you mean. I, I, I think... Okay, so Colin is the one that has all of the T's of okay. the show. Yeah, Does so that make sense? I think this is the way I want to put it. I think Colin is the love interest of the show, Code Geass. I think Shirley is the love interest of Lelouch. I can accept that, yes. As in, the plot of Code Geass focuses on Colin as the role of love interest, right? Right. But as, like, if you would consider Lelouch exclusively as his own person outside of the story, yeah. then you could say that the only person that he actually felt, like, love for is Shirley. Yeah. I would be willing to make an argument on the Code Geass episode for why I believe that Lelouch and C2 love each other and they're perfect for each other but that is some high thoughts right there all right i'm i'm with it i'm down to be convinced tell me why you think shirley and omri are similar i want to hear this okay so i would say that shirley tends to be a little more annoying and i just want to address that up front because i'm just because i'm comparing two things doesn't mean I think they're exactly the same. So what do I mean by like they're similar? Well, that's a good question. 
So, so shit. Hold on. Or you can go, but I'll think. Okay, let, let me jog your memory a little bit for for my point of view <laughs> on this stupid comparison that I've created a tangent uh-huh. for. C two has green hair. Is the character that is most often around Lelouch and has like the most physical contact with him, right? Yeah. And I want them to be together, but I don't think there's like actual romance there. And that's how I feel about Clara almost. Clara wants to be with Aruma. I don't think Aruma sees Clara in that way. I think the only way that could change is like uh, her actually confessing her feelings. Yeah, that's true. I, I agree with that. And so I think that Shirley also has some good physical touch with Lelouch. And same with Omri and Irma. And Shirley's a very driven person. She's a very tall, not like as conventionally attractive. Um, because she's a little more slender, I think. Um, and so I think in that same way, Omri is also not like completely conventionally attractive. because She's very tall and like strong. Um, and hey, don't get me wrong, we we love that. Okay. I was gonna say, are you telling me that we don't love our our tall dom mommies? <laughs> we we absolutely do. Okay. I'm just talking about like this, you know society's conventional attractiveness. Okay. Whereas, like, I guess, like something shorter and curvier is more attractive does that make sense as far as like body body types go most people are looking for or most men think that a woman is more attractive if she's shorter sure i agree with you aruma is a short king though and i think that's why the Ari aruma thing is so so great i no i i totally agree (laughs) with you but i'm just saying like there's there's those connections i guess and more but um, I, I guess I, I have a distinction here that I, I think I, I've realized as you're explaining this uh-huh. there is supermodel hot which is what I feel like Omri is you want sure. a model to be tall I think yeah I, like I, I would say if you were just like judging purely based on like objective ap- appearance then you want like these larger than life like greek statue looking people is kind of what i imagine as like the ideal human form right Right, but you wouldn't want to date them unless you're like some rich asshole who wants like a trophy wife yes and like those people tend to like be either rare or like the the those physiques don't actually exist right they're just completely fictional yeah but yeah i i get what you mean that there's a i don't know so there, there is Clara, who I think is like girl next door, cute. I hate using that term, <laughs> but like she is, she is actually actually the like the the person that you would be in a relationship, right? Yeah. And Aubrey is the fictional idolized Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um. Okay, I did want to hit a couple non Aruma things. If we were done with Aruma, oh, did wait, you have another wait, thing? Go ahead. I think Shirley and Omri both support the main character's ambitions. 
She's, I mean, even though Shirley's conflicted uh, about it. Uh, okay. I think that's the kind of person she is, I think. I don't know. Maybe yeah, okay, I'm, I have a question. Uh-huh. And I feel like we should cut this out and save it for the Kokiyas episode where I can roast you for it more. Uh-huh. Who is, like... From your point of view, if we're doing the wee waifu wonder of Code Geass right now, who is your waifu for Code Geass? C2. Uh, Yes! (laughs) Okay. Okay, I think Shirley is trash. Um, I agree with you. And that's why... Hey, leave this in. That's why I think Omri is S-tier and Shirley's, like, B-tier, right? Ooh. Okay. Uh, actually, one more Ruma topic I wanted to cover before we w- just complete. I guess we do the Pokemon thing too, but then we can lead uh-huh. into that. Um, besides the main three, so Ruma, Clara, Alice, uh-huh. and only considering the characters that are in the Misfit class, so not like Opera or Omri, who is the best character in the Misfit class, in your opinion? Uh, okay, I have a couple of top contenders. Actually, before you say anything, I w- because you have a couple anyway, I wanted to clarify, I think, something about my question, which is your favorite character, uh, and then maybe the best character, too. Okay, yeah, so subjectively, my favorite character in the Misfit class um, is Asmodeus. Okay, no, so not the... Not Clara, Aruma, or Asmodeus. No, yeah, you did say that. I'm sorry. No, uh, no, it's fine. I do love Asmodeus, but we've we've gushed about Asmodeus. Yeah, <laughs> but I want two more. Okay, um, <laughs> not the main three. Fucking hell. Uh, I I think subjectively my favorite, not the main three, is Sabnock. Yeah. I think Sabnock. I was tor- I was torn between Sabnock and Jazz, but I think Sabnock. Okay, so Sabnock is your favorite. Yes, subjectively my favorite. Okay, cool. And uh, why why do you like Sabnock? Uh, just give me a little bit about that. Okay, so when you first meet him, he kind of seems like he's going to be like a bit of an asshole, uh, maybe even a bit of a bully, not just to Irma, but you quickly get like some. Like, very soon after the character is introduced, I feel like, um, you get some character development, and it you don't realize how much impact it has until later. Um, but yeah, so Sabnot grows from being, like, this sort of jockey-type, um, strong, uh, very, like, physically capable overachieving kind of individual um, who's gonna like shove your nose in it I guess okay to, yeah to someone who's very well rounded but is still like he's still very loud and very excited you know but he's also like a little nicer to people and or, or a lot nicer to people in a lot of situations um, and he is like interested in acting you know he did the the play stuff he's interested in the history with the battler he's in 
um, and all the stuff surrounding the Demon King, and he's very um, aware of the lessons that Irima can teach him, and that's where that's where he ends up getting a lot of his development, which is what I think makes him such a great character. Um, so he he takes kind of that trope, which maybe I'll have you explain in a minute because I'm too high to think of it, but and and really like runs in a fucking fantastic direction with it and you just get a, a very confident like well-rounded character um with with a lot of personality because you know he's a loud he's a loud motherfucker so that's great i i love that pitch for sabro i, I was gonna add i really like his bloodline ability i uh, just any kind of kind of character that can just make basically whatever they have imagined to an extent yeah. is a really cool uh, idea for me. And his limitations neat. He has to be touching the or biting the metal yeah. that he wants to make the thing out of. Um, okay, so that was Sabro for your favorite character, right? Yeah. And then do you want to try pitching a, a best character? Um, I, I don't, don't know if to. I have a good pitch for a best character, but I will say I think my like top contender um, Jazz Sabro and or you can go maybe you know, I think Jazz has a extremely strong design uh, so Sabro does have a excellent like flashy design yeah Jazz of all the multicolored cast has to be the one with black hair right yeah. I guess has to might not be the right way to put it because black is a cool color, but it's this the simplest color, right? Yeah. And so he has a very kind of basic design, but it's really it's cool to me, I guess. Yeah. I really like the rings on his fingers and the explanation they give for that where they, they clack together and it's like a, a limit that he puts on himself to make him better yeah. for pickpocketing. Uh-huh. And I really like his personality. I really like his voice. If you wanted to go ahead and lead into that. Yeah. So just speaking on his design, he's got the earrings. He's got the very subtle fangs. Um, he's got like a purple highlighting to his hair. All of these things are like subtle, but they make him pop, uh, which sounds like an oxymoron, but I, I think you get what I mean. Um, and he's got like the ripped shirt, but he's still got the school coat kind of like draped over it. He looks so he looks very like calm and relaxed. And just from his design, you can tell a lot about um, most like you. Sorry, just looking at his design, you can tell a lot about his character, uh, which is the trademark of a good design, if you ask me. Yes, that you can infer things about the character from their design is always a great uh design element and like with sabro being shirtless that's a that's something that i think is a similar kind of design thing yeah it, it shows them being more of the the bravado. wilder bravado character yeah yeah and he's you know ripped and tall and Ugh. yeah oh man in the ship uh, with uh with his with jazz's older brother Damn, I, I love all the the introductions of their their family members. It's yeah. it, it adds so much. I I really like that. Like his family line is supposed to be like basically scumbags. Yeah. So I was gonna say, um, 
I I think I think in season one I was like, oh, there's no unlikable characters. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I think I, I would say Jazz's older brother is one of those like characters that's probably meant to be a, a little less lo- not liked. Uh, uh, you know, I'm just I'm a fucking on it. Not liked. Okay, fuck that okay. guy. I will say there's a character that hasn't been in season two yet, but I think Harvest Festival is when uh, you'll have known who they are. Uh-huh. It's one of like the there there will be mentor characters that are right. introduced in the uh, Harvest Festival. There is a mentor character that I despise, <laughs> but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> all right so get this right uh-huh my favorite character i would say and this is going to be my season two answer right yeah my season two favorite character answer is probably karori Krokel, the uh the secret idol character oh okay uh is that karori is that how you say her name i have no idea hold on Iruma. Kuroma? So her name is Krokel Karori, but her a- Akudul idol um, alias is Kuromu. Okay, anyway, yeah, just like Karori. Yeah. If you ask me, like, char- characters I like personally, uh-huh. it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I like the glasses. I like the ice powers. I like the subtle bits of relationship baiting that they drip for Aruma throughout the uh, the series. Yeah. Relationship slash rivalry. Yeah. And so, yeah, that would be my favorite character. I, I just... Glasses characters are always going to get me. I like the Akudol stuff a lot, even though I don't think I'm normally a fan of, like, idol anime yeah. kind of stuff. But I guess as a as a treat in an, another genre, it's fun. It's the same way. Yeah, it's, it's I don't, few sparingly. Yes, and I, I, I wanted to use a metaphor that I like sports in anime, but I don't watch a lot of sports anime. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I think it's the same way. Getting the one idol thing a season instead of making it all about idols and just having it be really one major character uh-huh. makes me like her more, even though I don't normally like idols, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, also blue hair. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it, this is all shallow reasons, I guess, but like, I do just like how she acts as a character. I like quiet characters. I'm normally a very shy person myself, right? Yeah. And so that that's my answer for favorite. Uh-huh. Now, my ca- answer for best is a spoiler, and is it technically season two? So I will real quick give a season two answer for best, right? Okay. Best character of season two is lead, I think. Okay. I I he kind of I think I've said I think I said this before becomes more of a major character than the rest of the misfit class or maybe the same way Sabro is. Uh-huh. And I guess maybe Karori when she's in focus, but she's not always in focus, right? Yeah. But like Sabro is a very major part of most scenes. Like he's the main character of the misfit class that aren't the main three. Right. <laughs> 
and I mean, the, the, like his his outrageous design and everything. He this is a super sane, right? Yeah. But I think Lead kind of becomes more of that, and he gets partnered with uh, Aruma later for one of the events. So there's that. Hell yeah! But yeah, so I think Lead. I like him outsmarting the gambling teacher. Uh huh. I like his. I like his rapport with uh, Clara when she's in the gaming battler at the start of the season. Uh-huh. And I don't know, a gamer character is always going to be appealing to me, and I guess that's not an objective reason, but it, I guess it has drawn my attention more to the the things the show does really well about him. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. However, let us now transition into the spoiler section. <laughs> From here on out, there may be season two spoilers. And I'm about to talk about something that won't really spoil, but I will say the best character having read the manga uh-huh. is Person Soy. Person Soy? <laughs> we, might even, we might even cut out his name. So there is a character in the Misfit class uh-huh. that only appears in the background. Actually, he, his name shows up in the uh, the opening, I think. Yes. Person choice shows up in the opening. So he is the character in the Misfit class that does not have any scenes. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna post the picture of the prep room real quick. I, I remember okay, so seeing that's... him in the ending and being like, I don't recognize this guy. So all all I'm going to say is we're about to come into season three. Uh-huh. And there's going to be a music festival arc. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the entire misfit class has to participate. Yeah. And at that point, I think Person Soy is the best character. <laughs> God damn. That's a really, really high like expectation. <laughs> and I know, again, that's like a subjective experience sort of thing, but I, I think it has made me appreciate more what the author put into this character. <laughs> yeah. But that's all I say. I don't want to spoil the manga for anyone. I, I want to keep it to season two spoilers, but I do think it's a appropriate transition into the spoiler section. Damn, person soy. So yeah, uh, you know the. I guess the uh, the quote spoiler is, "Hey guys, and uh, getting ready for season three. You know that character that you don't know anything about." Wow! Wink, wink, wink. Damn, bruh. Dude, the group interaction with uh, Caligo's squad, uh, his his party at the at Walter Park, dude, that was insane. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed that. And I love uh, that they worked so hard on that first, like, fire um, wind slash thing, and it just kind of tickled him. Um, damn feels bad man but the but it like none of the punch was taken out somehow because the build-up was so great and rewarding in itself i think the build-up gave you the what you needed from the punch yeah uh, i'm trying to think of what's what, what was considered a spoiler that i was holding back give me a moment to ruminate on that fucking Dracula. 
Yes. So, okay. One thing on the, the Durkula thing that I meant to say earlier was that uh, when Arumin is trying to play to the demon desires of the misfit class, yeah, I really think that it's Durkula is someone who would have been in the misfit class, right? Yeah. Aruma is, I think, Sullivan creating something more. Oh, shit! You think Sullivan created the ring? Definitely. Now, okay. I think he created the ring, but he says that he doesn't know about Darkula, or <laughs> Alucard Weak! being in the ring, right? Yeah. And I wonder if what is in the ring is actually like Dracula's soul or like an impression of who he was, rather. Right. Like a fossil mm -hmm. made into a magical entity. I bring that up only because it is a concept I know about from other fantasy series. And it, it's... So, to me, what it what it seems like or what's actually happening, first of all, is that when Aruma gains a rank, uh, Durkula, or Alucard, becomes more aware, right? Right. But I think, like, it's... Oh! I just figured it out how to explain it to you. Sorry, no, 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 no. Fossil. What if Aruma is Steven Universe, and the ring is basically Durkula's gem that was recovered from his dead body basically or something right okay oh, wait wait you're losing me because i mean do you mean at first i thought you were just gonna say what if the ring is like i guess rose's memories okay right. well what i mean by that is sorry uh but sorry to interrupt you okay. but uh, to to kind of clarify that to hone that edge there yeah what i mean is that by Alucard becoming more powerful when Aruma ranks up. It is the equivalent of like his demon powers if he was a demon leveling up. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I know that's kind of a weak comparison. Uh-huh. But like I don't think it's I don't think it's literally Durkula trapped in the ring, right? Or something along those lines. Or like a Yeah. No, his I will. Soul being necromancy or something, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think I understood what you meant, you know, when you basically said like a fossil. Um, yeah. Okay. So but, maybe the maybe the Steven Universe reference wasn't as uh as strong. Uh huh. But I do mean it in the way that I think it might be the way to make Aruma a demon, the way that Steven is a gem. Uh huh. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, so do you think that Sullivan implanted the, you know, whatever, implanted the Alacred into the ring? And he's just not saying anything because, like, you know, it's, it's more effective that way, I guess. I think that's possible. I think it might even be, like, a secret that Opera doesn't know or something. Uh-huh. Like, you were talking about a secret of utmost national security, which is what happened to Durkula. Yeah. 
since nobody knows and Sullivan being the closest person to him is the most likely to know. Yeah. But I have another theory. Okay. And this is just the game theory, and I'm a little high. <laughs> However, what if Dracula ended up in the human world? He would make the human world into another or an extension of the netherworld? Would Dracula do that by himself? Would he get humans to follow him to do that? And what I, I mean I by that so. is like, but Dracula, right? D- the Dracula as in, what if the Dracula that already was the king of the demon world uh-huh. gets brought to the human world? The beat down, the, or not beat down, maybe the one who seems like he's jaded. Oh, yeah. With ruling, uh-huh. ends up in the human world. What if the disappearance of Dracula was just him going off, fucking off to the human world and dying an old man, basically. Oh, shit. I see what you're saying. Like, just living a normal life. And the reason I say that, and the reason I would make the connection, is doesn't, isn't there a connection between Dracula and the, uh, the Sakura trees? I don't remember. Let me... But yeah, I think I get what you're saying now. And then, so, like, Sullivan is keeping a secret and also raising the next Demon King. And he got, like, a little imprint from Dracula before he left. And Alacred is that little imprint to help kind of guide Iruma, give him some magic so that he can grow into be the next great Demon King. Yes, I definitely think it's it's the key to his magic. Yeah. But anyway, my, my whole human connection for Dracula was maybe not if Aruma was a descendant of Dracula, uh-huh. even though I do think they have appearance similarities, but um, that like something about Dracula being in the human world and Aruma being from when he died and when Aruma being from the human world and coming to the demon world gives him a link yeah. to Dracula. Mm-hmm. Damn. I, I'm wondering where I got this. Uh, oh, the manga. It'll, it'll come up later. I think of a Dracula Sakura tree connection. Okay. But I think that would drive Sullivan's interest in the human world. Yeah. And like if the if the human world is like no one's allowed to go there and that's the rule right now. Yeah. Then Sullivan I think is So I think Sullivan's plan is when I say make a better demon king with Aruma is that he saw something in the human world that he liked, right? Uh-huh. He saw people cooperating and he like recognized that, I guess, as the way Dracula came into power. Right. And he was like, this is what I appreciate about leaders, right? Yeah. This was the leader I admired and no demon is going to live up to him, right? Yeah. Sullivan doesn't even want to be Demon King himself. 
Yeah. Allegedly. I mean, if you, if you want to say even evil Sullivan necromancing Dirk Lantaruma, uh-huh. that's a theory. But I kind of feel like he sees Aruma when he's like encouraging him to make friends and everything. All of that is him saying, be human, right? Uh-huh. Do the things that are like unique about humans compared to demons, right? Yeah. The sense of cooperation and friendship and everything where he's bringing the misfit class into his own, like they're basically going to become the next, uh, 13 right uh-huh there's 13 of them <laughs> and they're like all like a lot of them are from influential families or have like very useful powers right right or are otherwise noteworthy for some reason yeah but like just if you said like alice's modus is already related to someone on the the table wait is he his mom oh i didn't know his mom was on the table the pink-haired lady on the table is uh is his mom. Oh, okay. Sorry, uh, but uh, yeah, I, so I might be retarded. They probably like flat out said that, and I just didn't catch it. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure she says something about her son. Yeah, but she, it might not be like Alice's Bodius. But then they show her later as like they show her face when they reference uh the thirteen his mom. Yeah, but I. But they, I think they just do a, like a cut. But like she shows up at one of the dinners, is what happens. Yeah. But I don't know if they. I think they just call her Asmodeus or something. Uh huh. And then, and then or, they have this. They might not say her name. They have the scene where know. they're um, talking about the thirteen, and so they're showing all the faces of the, on the last episode too. Oh. Okay. And cool. Yeah, they most definitely show, they show a picture. Of her. I just didn't realize it. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say shit. I I know she's at one of the dinner episodes. I just can't pinpoint what episode that is and it might be in season 1. Uh-huh. Oh, no, no. Yeah, that is season but, 2 when Caligo goes to make his rounds. Right? Or no, because his mom's okay, not no, there. In season 1 there's a a 13 dinner. Oh, yeah, when there's going about which of the big 3 are going to be demon king. Yes, yeah. I think there's one dinner where she might not be there, but one of okay. them she is there, and uh-huh. she has the pink hair and everything. Yeah, and they might say that her last name is Asmodeus, but they might just refer to her by a title. Mm-hmm. And then in season two, you see a couple cutaways when uh, Asmodeus spends the night that shows like what his mom looks like. Yeah. So that that I think that's the most immediate connection. But yeah, his mom's on the council. Or 13. And then Aruma, obviously, his Sullivan's on the 13. Right. And then, uh... But, so... Well... Oh, go ahead. Not, not from the Misfit class, but... Do you have a, I mean, yeah, this is completely irrelevant to what we were talking about, because we were talking about the Misfit class, but, uh... uh Omri and her dad. Yeah. But you could kind of see it as Omri will be the one he marries into. Yeah. And then that would be his table of 13. But I guess he doesn't need 13, right? It's That would be an old world. Uh, that that would just be something, a nod to the old regime, right? Well, I mean, hey, if it was, um, is the Demon King even part of the 13? So then I guess have, he's not. Then you'd have an open Wait, slot. Wait, hold on. So one, two... But was he when he was around? I don't know. That's a good question. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, I think, I like, think obviously he, I think he was when he was. Now, right? Yeah, yeah, I think he was when he was around, yeah. and then when he's seen okay. ascends to demon king status, then there's a new thirteenth member. At least that's that's the impression I got. I could be wrong. Oh yeah, I guess if like if Sullivan were to be elected, he'd be put into a higher position than the thirteen, basically. Yeah. Instead of being a subset like the the three greats are. Right, right, right. right. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I, I guess you could just say that... Uh, but yeah, Omri, it would be important either way. But yeah, so I think him surrounding himself with all of these influential or su- future influential people, uh-huh. and he's influencing them. Remember the last week when I was talking about like the, the corruption yeah. of demons? Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing to the misfit class. He's making them like more cohesive as a unit, yeah. right? And I think that's going to show up in uh, in the future. And I think if there's like a hypothetical long game for the manga, it's going to be that these are like the generals of his demon world takeover. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have anything else about Dracula Alucard? No, but I did want to go over this meme with you now that I've actually seen, I'm caught up with Urumakun. Um, oh, yeah? So it's it's comparing the the virgin Midoriya to the Chad Iruma. Oh, can you post that? So I know which one you mean, but I want to make sure I'm looking at it. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have to figure out a way to like link to this in the episode. I guess just put it in the description so you can see it too. Um, I'll just post it on Twitter. Yeah. All right. So we've got <laughs> for the for the Virgin Midoriya. We've got Uraraka still hasn't realized her feelings after three hundred chapters. Backstory is way lighter. Still cries way more. No opera. No Sullivan. No Allie. Wait. What is who's Allie? Alicard. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, doesn't believe in his friends. <laughs> Edgy face, <laughs> edgy face wasn't as cool as you mean. Did not cross dress. Has not seduced half the school. Big fucking true. Um, and then for Chad, Irima, we has has become the unofficial harem king of his school. Will become the demon king. Master is master. All of misfit class are his friends, including Chad Sabro. True. Has Az and Clara as soulmates. Opera as Kalig as a familiar won the eating competition multiple times seduces men and women Grandpa Sullivan way more traumatic backstory made Omri fall in love with him under in under two hundred chapters has Ali on his ring um yeah fucking I don't know why I went through reading that maybe you can cut it <laughs> we'll see how it plays. That, that I might just take really... out little pieces. Actually, hold on. I might just take little pieces of you reading that uh-huh. and make that a transition noise sometimes. Just like opera. There you go. That can be the little <laughs> transition noises. We'll be That's, the That's the skit. That's the skit. That's the skit. Oi, they. No opera, no Sullivan, no Ollie. Wait, who's Ollie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I had another season two spoiler saying that it was an act, uh, the Six Fingers uh-huh. in the Walter Park episode. Yeah. That's such a good reveal, I think, where you, where you get each of them introduced as a, a employee of the park. Yeah, man. Fuck, dude. That was uh, that was well played. It was a well played twist. And then you have the uh, the lady who immediately developed a crush on Aruma mm-hmm. and wanted the straight show to him. <laughs> you want to talk about waifus? Big sister, protect me, mommy, with your big thighs. Oh, man, it's, it's Clara. Lay you gently down to sleep. Excellent home life. Can cook. <laughs> and then you always have Asmodeus over. Or just, like, get a duplex and then live next to each other. So you've always got Asmodeus next door. Sheeta, that's the, the six-finger lady that saves Aruma. Yeah, but I also like girls with white hair. And she could kick my ass. Clara was definitely one of those designs that, like, before I watched the anime, I was like, oh, that's unappealing. And then after I watched the anime, I'm like, she's perfect in every way. (laughs) The very first time she's, like, introduced rolling into the boxes and Alice says, oh, stay away from her. I was like, ugh. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) God damn. Oh, it's just the third best character coming through. Hell yeah. Alice Aruma. Clara. Agreed. I said what I said. <laughs> I I agree. I just love Alice. You, you, you don't like Sheeta at all with the with the spats and the kicks? No, she's awesome. I'm just saying Clara's number one, baby. Okay, Clara is number one. Ooh yeah. Ooh, yeah. All right, cut. <laughs>